0: Josh Holder, Saul Agnan, Marcus Boykin, El Navajas, and the Mexican Sicarios. All right, guys, today we welcome a special guest. to talk about episodes three and four of the Terminalist TV show. Welcome to the pod, super fan, Tyler Boer. Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome, welcome, Tyler. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I was really glad when you reached out. You have a lot of common interest with us and a lot of shared interest with Jack Carr. So tell us a little bit about who you are as a James Reese reader as a land cruiser owner, as a podcaster, and just an all things Jack Car enthusiast. Yeah, sure. Um, So I guess I've been in
1: that kind of, I wouldn't say community, but just like that realm of fandom. Uh, I listened to a ton of different podcasts like uh, Black Rifle Coffee. It used to be American Range podcasts, or I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, um, Yeah, it was American Range. Uh, then Sean Ryan's show, Fieldcraft Survival. Danger close was Jack Cars. I listened to that before I read the books. Uh, Cleared hot with Andy Stump. Um, so I, I listened to all these shows and was fam- familiar with all these people. And um, I'm in. I'm into firearms and shoot shoot a lot. And uh, you know, I'm into. I, I have my basic uh, different brands. I'm fan. I'm a fan of um, and things like that. And I was already a fan of Toyota Land Cruisers. Um, I have a new. Toyota 4Runner that's my daily driver but I had always wanted a Land Cruiser and so I I can't remember what it was I was I was on vacation with my cousin who I do the podcast with um, Greg and we were in Austin Texas for Formula One last October and for whatever reason I think to travel I got the audiobooks and him and I listened to them got pulled in pretty much our whole vacation by them and I just like one after another just crushed out pretty much the whole series pretty quickly, uh, while we were on vacation and when we got back. And then I bought hard copies. Um, I got the sh- the shot through limited edition for, uh, in the blood. Nice. Um, and oh, then, nice. um, so j- just a few months ago, a friend of mine found a-, a land cruiser FJ 62 locally, which is the same kind that the Jack has and that James Reese drives in the, in the series. Um, and it was white, just like, just like James Reese's. So, um, it was white is my favorite color on them to begin with. And, uh, luckily I was able to, to acquire it. So, um, that's kind of my, it's in the garage right now. Um, so it's kind of my weekend vehicle, but, uh, my cousin Greg and I have a podcast called just a tangent where we review and talk about movies and TV, how they're made practical effects, stuff like that. We do deep dives on different projects that we're fans of, um, things like that. So, um, it really, it was like meant to be, the more I read the books or listened to the books, I was like, oh man, I, I know exactly what these are. You know, I knew what firearms were being described. I knew what he was thinking, the tactics they were talking about, because a lot of the podcasts, some of them are more serious and talk about tactics and mindset and things like that. But some of them are, are you know, more fun. But um, yeah, the more I read, I was just sucked into them. It was almost like they were, felt like they were almost written for me a little bit. Um
2: <laughs> So, You're
1: definitely the target
0: but, audience for sure. Yeah, ab- <laughs> yeah. Ab-
1: absolutely. Um, even in the show, there's a lot of things in the background that I noticed um, yes. that I actually took notes on for these two episodes. Nice. That uh, that I noticed that probably just go by the wayside and people don't notice. You know, it's just set. It's just a set, but really, there's a ton of stuff there. Um, e- even in the intro sequence during the the title sequence, there's a lot of things. Yeah. that are pretty awesome. So. Yeah.
2: You know, I I unfortunately didn't get a chance to hop on and talk episode one and two with you, Michael, or, or with Chris last night. And so like this, uh, sorry if I'm being redundant, but I would just have to say this show is being shot beautifully. You know, like Amazon, you know, broke out the wallet and yes, it, it just looks amazing. You know, like I, it's no, it, this is not the CW, you know, this is definitely some high quality stuff. Antoine Fuqua, you know, like freaking awesome director. Uh. And I don't know if you guys want to jump into episodes three and four now, because, you know, we get we get some pretty intense in both episode three and four. We're beginning to learn a little bit more about the plot and everything. And I I want to bring it back to like those um, what you just said, Tyler, the title sequence is really cool. I don't skip it. Like if it's a good title sequence, I don't skip it. it. If it's bad, like like the Stranger Things one. I watch it every time. I love, I love that song, you know, like, but this is one, uh, another one that I, I have to watch it. So what did you pick out during, if I don't mind asking you, uh, during the title sequence that like caught your eye? Um, so, the more times I
1: watch it, the the cooler it is. A lot of the books that are in the garage that that you know in in the book in the novel, I believe he has an office where he has his library in the show he has his garage where he has his gun safe, which is a fort Knox, which is made in the u s a It's an awesome gun safe. It's like everyone's dream to have one of those but um so he has that, and a lot of the stickers that are on it are very reminiscent of someone who purchased a lot of firearm stuff a lot of the stickers were like free with items for companies like First Spear has a sticker on the side of the safe uh they make body body armor carriers and things like that for soldiers um there's just a ton of different stuff and then there's a close up of an archery compound bow that's made by PSE and that's a knock-on bow which is made by John well it was created and and designed by John Dudley who's a friend of Jack Carr um then a lot of the books I noticed are books that's on Jack Carr's monthly reading lists. Um, there's like the Accidental Gorilla um, and things like that. Uh, I think Once an Eagle might be in there too, which is back here on my shelf as well. If you can see, but I'm sure you can't see it in detail behind me. But I have a ton of nonfiction books behind me that are military related. And and I was telling Mike before you came on, Chris, that uh, that the only not the only fiction books I have are Jack Carr's series on my top shelf right there. So, um oh, I was nice. going to ask you guys for some recommendations on what to dive into next, but oh, a we, lot we got plenty a, of recommendations. Oh, <laughs> oh, we do. A lot a lot of this reading has influenced my knowledge and knowledge base and interests that
0: helped, you know, catapult my love for for these books. So, well, we've got a ton of fiction and thriller being the thriller podcast. Tons of recommendations, but let's just get two out of the way now and then we'll reconnect with you later. All right, Mitch Rapp. That's got to be number one. The Vince Flynn okay. series, and today, actually, as we're recording, is the publication day for a new Brad Thor novel, Brad Thor and the Scott Harvath series. So I don't okay. know, Chris, would you agree? Those are the two. Tyler's got to jump into.
2: I mean, how could we not? Like, oh, our dude, first term two limits. seasons are, are based off of. Yeah, yeah.
1: How, how many? How many books? How many books are in each series?
2: Each of them have like twenty-one. Okay. It's a, right, little, it's a little it's a little to like think get another about. another bookshelf,
1: it, I got some extra space right here where this model <laughs> car is. I can move it out of the way.
2: If you like uh audiobooks too. Yeah. Like they have some really good uh George Guidell reads them Armin Schultz, right? Reads Schultz, Yeah. You know, they're they're really good. So, yeah.
0: You got to read Vince's first book. His first book uh Term Limits is if you're a terminalist fan, just think of the yeah. the similar name there, Term Limits. It's almost probably, I would say, the closest book debut book I've read by an author to what Jack did with Terminalist. Yeah, Vince Flynn did that decades ago with Term Limits. It's fantastic. I really,
1: I really think after listening to them in detail, Ray Porter does such a good job with. He mm-hmm. he has a yeah. uh, he has a stage acting background for doing, I believe, yeah. Sha- Shakespearean plays and things like that. So he's very All good right. at doing characters, including female voices and uh he just paints a picture so clearly for me and it's funny because there as we'll get into for these two episodes there there are quite a few scenes in the show that are pulled straight from the book line for line right which you know a lot of people are complaining it strays too far from the book but honestly i've seen i've seen book adaptations get butchered way worse than this and i i really think that that we're lucky to get what we got uh, i really enjoyed it you you don't know where it's going cuz you know they're changing things but re- regardless um I thought that line for line, how Ray Porter painted the picture in
2: my head is exactly how it appeared on film. I, I, lo- I love that. Yeah. So I purposely have not, I'm not watching ahead. Um, I don't know about you, if you two have watched, you know, on past four, but I purposely don't want to, because I want I want to influence like when I'm having these conversations, but so far we've, we've been pretty by the book. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some minor tweaks here or there, but, and you know, I have a couple of questions I want to ask you, and maybe if you if you watch further, you 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 would be able to answer these questions. And yeah, maybe yeah. I finished the series. Yeah, uh, So here it. in
1: here in Pittsburgh, okay. it it debuted Thursday night at 8 p.m. for whatever reason, and I watched three
2: episodes that night and finished it the oh, next nice. day. Nice. Yeah, I've had a crazy weekend. So yeah, I, me too. Um, yeah, me I'm, too. I'm, right. I'm just watching them. Uh, you know, I watched three or two today, but um, yeah. So we get. I guess obviously one major change or not major change, but like we don't get the whole, you know, terrorist shooter coming after him and Katie. Instead, it's this, you know, some sort of operator that he yeah. had like in episode three, which is Gordo. Jack's cameo, Gordo. We got to talk
0: about that. We We got to jump yeah. into. We knew Jack was going to show up at some point. I think it was with Joe Rogan. He first announced that or that's the first time I heard that he was going to yeah. actually appear in the show. And I was waiting for it. And one of our buddies uh, who does the Terminal Vengeance YouTube channel, I don't know if you heard us talk to Abraham, he's a high schooler making a YouTube channel reviewing the show. It's pretty awesome. He noticed it in the trailer. He was like, that looks like car in the rear view mirror. Yeah. So he called that out in the trailer with a super quick shot, just a really dark version of the rear view mirror. And he goes, that looks like Jack's eyes and Jack's beard. And you had to really zoom in and kind of lighten up the photo to see it. And a lot of people were like, no, nah, that's a stretch, man. And I was like, Abraham, I kind of see it too. Like, are we crazy? And then boom, that's where he is. He was in that car. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty cool cameo. I
1: yeah, on Je- I think on Joe Rogan, he said he was going to have a cameo and that he was going to be fighting James Reese. So he was saying that he was going to be working out and trying to get back into better shape. And so when I saw him in Cleveland – I asked him that was my one question in the crowd with my hand raised I said did your cameo make the make the cutting room floor and and he he said yeah he, he didn't give me a yes or no answer but he just said keep an eye out for episode 3 so that oh, that to okay. me was a was a yes so clearly it I don't know if it changed midway through through filming you know from going to a fight to that that shootout but that shootout has a very good feel of heat of the movie heat into it mm, um right and I love so if, if we want to dig in real quick, the the episode begins with, uh, James burning some evidence from yes. the first name to get crossed off the list. Now, uh, I think what's interesting is in this version, he doesn't know he has the tumor yet. So right. to, to me, him burning the evidence means that he's planning on getting away with all of this right now. Right. right. Or at least and he's got to um, get
0: to the next name because now he's yeah. got Saul Agnon.
1: Yeah. So yeah, he has Saul Agnon and, um. I really like him meeting up with Katie at the restaurant, you know, it's it, it's very similar to how how it is in the book and I love how he scans the room. He's very serious. He has his bomber jacket on with the Land Cruiser patch. Um and before before that scene when he's still at home, he he packs up a couple things from his safe, uh his M4 and a Benelli shotgun that that Ben ultimately uses and later down the road, but um I like how his bitey senses go off in the cafe. Yeah, because, you know what? The second time watching it, I thought the same
0: thing. I was like, that's like Spidey sense going off. Yeah, he starts looking around. And it. what's cool is Katie also gives him this weird look because she's at the stage of, does she really trust him? Is he off You know the reservation? Is Her he going rocker. nuts? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and we as the uh, audience, we don't know if we can trust him yet, if he's a reliable yeah. narrator. And this episode, it's called Consolidation. I think it's consolidating... The team of bad guys, we're really seeing who's who. Like, we're going to get to Steve Horn soon and, and that crew. Yeah. So, it's consolidating that. But I think it's also consolidating our trust in Reese and Katie's trust in Reese. I mean, she's an eyewitness now. You know, him saying, We got to move, get out of the restaurant, go, go, go. You see that yeah. guy over there. You know, she could just, like the audience, be like, You're just fucking crazy, man. Like, this is all in your head. Yeah. We know you took some trauma, we know you're messed up. But this episode is consolidating our trust in him as the narrator of the story. Yeah. There's a little, little nod to the book there too. When they come out of the restaurant before they get to the cruiser, uh,
1: he, he says that they must have ISR overhead drone on them basically, which in the book, when he's told that that is how they tracked him, he is almost baffled by it that, that they would isolate and and, you know, basically get a drone to track him in the city on, on at home in
0: the U S. Yeah. Um, right. But when uh, I love nine. whenever they get in the, what's that? Sorry, one other nod to the book is he texts Katie, the louder, the better. So nobody at the restaurant can hear them. Yes. And that's a nod to when Katie kind of one ups him. That's when we really like Katie in the book. She takes him to the Chinese restaurant where almost nobody speaks English. So he wanted loud and she kind of outwits him and takes him somewhere. They can't even translate what they're saying. Yeah, that was something missed in the show, but a little nod to it with that text message.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, One thing I like about like sort of the change with Katie is like we get to see her you know she, in the beginning she's purely in this for a story and she she sees like you know Reese is is damaged and you know whatever her motives behind like wanting to tell the story it, it is what it is and then we see her like convert like like you were saying Mike coming onto the same page and realizing that there's something more here now whereas like I I feel like it was a little bit of a leap in the book, like that was like we talked about it on, on the pod, Mike, where she just like approaches him and it's very quick and then she immediately starts trusting him. Uh, here you, you know, you can sort of flesh it out a little bit more and they have to build this relationship. In the book, they also she's like she knows him because her father, like her right. father and, and his father, like knew each other back in the day. I, I'm, I'm assuming that they're not gonna go with that uh storyline going forward. So you need to, like, sort of have, have a way to build this trust, you know, have them be become a team. Right. Uh, spoiler alert, maybe eventually, you know, in, in future seasons. So, yeah, I, I've, I've sort of liked that change.
0: Tyler, I kind of want your take on Katie, because I think one of the number one criticisms on social media, and in my opinion, is completely wrong in many regards, the casting of Constance Wu. Because, Chris, what you just described, She plays the role perfectly of that competent, dedicated journalist who, while staying professional, like in the first episode, she had a line like 12 SEALs lost and shipped home to coffins and no one in command issues a statement. And here she says something about the Navy didn't know he had a tumor and let him go lead a platoon and he missed his medicals. What are they optional for a SEAL commander? So she actually wants the scoop and she's super competent as a journalist. Yeah. I don't know why people would be hung up on oh, she's not a blonde Eastern European white reporter kind of thing. I'm like, no, she is playing the role perfectly for the casting needed to be a competent, dedicated journalist who ultimately could see the personal side of things and become friends with Reese. Yeah, it's like it's like if the
1: book describes a blonde haired, blue eyed woman and she's she has black hair, brown eye. It's like they're up. They're upset about it. It's like she can't fit. She can't fit the part. I, I think they could totally write her in. They have right. a connection and a, and a level of trust. This first season really makes sense right. how they do it, and I think they 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 might ignore the history with with his dad and her dad f- for now. And and people were even complaining about that. That how can that now occur? You could still write it in that, that Thomas was serving and, and connected in a different country uh, where wherever she would be.
0: You know, so yeah. I don't think you even need to though the way they set it up because while that was a cool little connection in the book that he was the case officer who got her father yeah. out. Even when the CIA said, burn him, leave him like, no, yeah. he helped us. We got to get him out shows a little bit about Thomas Reese. Yeah. But the show is the clearly just- not about Thomas Reese yet. So you don't yeah. need to tell that right now. All right. Yeah. And yep, Rosie, right. and so I-, I was watching with my wife, who is just usually sick of me talking about these characters. She's heard Mitch <laughs> rap and Scott Harvath and James Reese a million times. Yet this time she's like, let's watch the next one. You know, so she's into it. And then I said, did she watched f- the whole season, Mike? Yeah, we watched it all. But but I said, oh, nice. how would you feel if Katie had a personal history with Reese and they knew each other because their fathers worked together? She's like, that would just be so unbelievable. It would be another layer of coincidence. Almost corny. That Almost I don't cliche. Mean. Exactly. Almost cliche. So it worked in the book. I don't think you need it here. Smart yeah. move.
1: So... um from there, they get in the cruiser, and and she. I love whenever she says running's not going to help, and he says we're not running, and throws it in reverse, and yeah, right. kill, kills Jack
0: Carr, or whatever made up name they want to give him. Jack shot first, <laughs> you know, like Han shot first. Jack shot yeah. first, or Gordo yes. shot first. We should Gordo yeah. Gordo shot
1: first. So, um, I think from there, what we get introduced to Steve running through the through the shoot
2: house. On his lunch yeah, break? I wonder what did you think of that? Like when you when I'm first, I knew that. I looked on IMDb that Jake Courtney. Jay Courtney was going to yeah. be Steve Horn. So yeah. when I when I see him going in, I'm like, "What the fuck is going on? Is this like some sort of corporate, you know, teams building? Like he gets yeah. to go?" <laughs> for, no,
1: it's it, um, yeah, it, it kind of. It, it almost, I mean, it really stems later on. If, if you aren't if you aren't further, it gets explained a little bit better. But I mean, basically, without ruining anything, he's a wannabe. If you yeah, notice, gotcha. he runs that yeah, course. So I, could, I got a that. Very, got very that. shitty job. He does a very shitty job, and he—they ask him if he wants to run it again. And he goes, "No, lunch is over." If anybody else is in that position that really cares about that, they would run You're it all day. Until they got it right. Yeah, um, I thought. Ford, I, I saw Mike from Forged in that scene, which was pretty cool. He's a former SEAL, and uh, he's from a place called Port Allegheny here in Pennsylvania, that's near where I live. And he—he's um, a—he's a, uh, former SEAL, and he has a clothing line. Uh, this one, actually. And, um, oh, nice. and he's, he's wearing one of his hats in the, in the shoot house there. He just has a little, little cameo there. So I thought that was neat, That's but a um, lot, lot of guys, a lot of guys from the community in here.
0: Um, I mean, oh, Jared,
1: yeah, Jared Shaw, Jared Shaw's, uh, one of the executive producers, but he plays Boozer. Right. Um, and he right. was the one that connected connected, uh, you know, Jack Carr and, and Chris Pratt and everything. So, but, uh, yeah from there i think that was just a very telling sign that they ask him if he wants to run it again he says no lunch is over so not only does that mean he's a businessman business comes first but that he's a wannabe
0: in the kill house he 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 has shitty reaction chimes the way they build steve horn in just a matter of seconds on screen i don't even know if that scene is a minute long and then him walking to his office with his two bodyguards and saul trying to get his attention the way he's ignoring him like they're building they're doing so much character building with the visuals and with very very limited dialogue in a short span of time that you automatically know the archetype that Steve Horn is supposed to represent. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's brilliant. Chris, what do you think of Steve? Yeah, no, I he,
2: he's a he's a piece of shit. Like uh, you know, <laughs> what, what a bee douchebag. It gets, um, it gets much
1: worse. There's something that he that he yeah. He doesn't do. It's just something about about him that you'll see later yeah. that is a huge no no yeah. in that community. It's a huge no no in that community, and and it's just a very wannabe move.
2: So, and I thought the one line where he's like, you know, be respectful. He was a a, a Navy SEAL commander. I was like, get get the hell out of here! Like, yeah. you have no you you know because obviously I know the whole plot of the story because I read the book. You, um, you'll see that that detail
1: comes in a little bit later, and you'll yeah, see he back, is kind yeah. kind of genuine in that in that comment.
2: But okay. um, all right. But yeah, no, and then you could. I thought the you know the sort of peon relationship he has with with Agnew Agnon, who is uh you know Sean Gunn is Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother, which I thought yes. that was pretty pretty funny.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I you can obviously tell they got him because he's willing to do anything on camera.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, he was good yeah. though in that interrogation. Yeah, scene. absolutely. I, I that was good. a
1: note. Yeah, that was a note I took. If we want to move to the interrogation scene, um, I like how Ben did the recon for for James since he's kind of wanted. So Ben does the recon for him at the golf course. Um, And Saul commands, I wouldn't say commands respect, but obviously has respect. You know, he has these bodyguards around him running the deals, you know, basically running deals the way, the same way that, you know, James runs firearms and things like that. He he knows what to say, what to do. He has a strategy. Um, But as soon as he sees the Grim Reaper in front of him, it, that that res- that that demand of respect quickly turns to absolute bone-chilling fear so true and i, I just thought it was awesome they they threw in a couple of details they swapped out waterboarding for the bag um right. but right. but him him vomiting while gagged is in the book yeah that was that's um, from the
2: book yeah, yeah. Well,
1: in the that, stripper so that's another yeah, thing james yeah james going to the strip club Oh, james yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, yeah the, the drugs that was that's like line for line
0: from it the book it was I'm so surprised literally just looking at these five, 10 minutes. I'm so surprised people could complain about getting too far from the book up to this point. I think, you know, beyond Chris, you're going to see, you know, there might be some things we'll have to dig into. But to this point, episodes one, two, three, and even we're about to get there for so much respect given to the book, even just little things like the stripper scene is how he gets the drugs, Uh, you know, the interrogation methods that he's already used on Josh Holder. And now using on Sol Agnon. And we're going to have to get to one in episode four. One other thing, though, about what's going on here, we're kind of consolidating what we know also about the bad guys. The the onion is being peeled back because we get name drops of Nubellum. And yeah. Steve Horns like Saul, you got to close the deal. Nubellum's going to be huge. We got to sell this company. And Mike Tedesco is brought in. So Mike owns the company that created the drug RD 4895. Yeah. RD 4895. Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of figuring out that there is some sort of company, a shell company invented something. It's going to go in this multi tens of billions of dollar deal, they hope. And Saul Agnon is the closer and got to go make it happen.
2: Did you catch one other
0: um, cameo at the golf course? Bryson oh, DeChambeau. Bryce and yeah. Yeah. Which
1: uh, if you pay attention, I think that's pretty funny. So uh, Saul says, who are, who are we partnered with? Yeah, And he they say some name and he says, no, no, I wanted Bryson DeChambeau. I want Bryson. And the, the scene cuts <laughs> to them teeing off and the announcer goes, now for Capstone Industries, Bryson DeChambeau. So from the time that he talked to that lady to the time of teeing off, he got what he wanted.
0: How much do you think you have to pay? To get Bryson DeChambeau to come on your media outlet and just hit one bomb of a drive, like yeah. what's the going
2: rate? Go ask the Saudis because he he just left the PGA Tour to go yeah. play for them. So <laughs> uh, I, I don't I don't know how uh, Jack Hart would feel about uh, you know Bryson DeChambeau now. But anyways, that's this is not this podcast. Bo- this is not Dude, that they're podcast. All, they're yeah.
0: all taking the Saudi money. All the PGA golfers.
2: <laughs> but um, oh yeah, he got a pretty penny.
0: I'm trying to think if there's any other details. Uh, There's some stuff
1: about um, Tedesco. There's some details about that that get revealed later, but Chris, I won't spoil anything.
0: I guess, yeah, and I guess the most important thing that this episode ends on is the interrogation. Saul gives up two names. One, Steve Horn. Marcus
2: Boykin. Tells
0: him about Project RD-4895, and then Marcus Boykin. And the second that name is dropped, I know exactly how episode four is starting off,
2: Yeah, and it's awesome. Yeah, which I, I really enjoyed how it does start. But go ahead, Chris. I, I was kind of like surprised at how quickly we are, as as the viewer, learning. You know, all the major players. Like, you know, this is is this is going pretty quick. Like, t- giving us information. I, I would have thought, and I know that's how it happens in, in the book as well. But I would have thought, as like a TV show, they would have played out this. You know, who's in the background longer? I, I mean, I guess ultimately he has a term. He has the list, and he has to start checking names off, but. Yeah. Well, I, were you guys surprised that we were we were getting the this scene like this quickly?
0: Well, there was another thing I thought about that, because this episode is like jumpstarting that whole part of the plot in yeah. episodes one and two. It was more focused on the psychological parts of Reese. And, and he acted in those episodes with the crazy look in his eye, like right. he was going through the trauma. I think they wanted to establish that part of the story, the James Reese internal. Do the people around him think he's crazy? And this one, they really quickly jump to the external. And Jack Carr's cameo was the one that made the show flip that switch to, Yeah, now you're on board with Reese. We know he's not crazy. Let's start peeling it back.
1: Yeah, everyone questions what's going on. But then once he gets the target package from Jack Carr, right. it's it's clear that, that something is going on. Now he has actual right. evidence. It's not just something yep. he saw or something he feels. They have evidence.
0: And um, witnesses. Right. Katie. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So. Well, so we've um, consolidated now we're ready for detachment episode four and we get a really, really awesome opening. How did you feel seeing Reese and Lucy walking through the woods? I thought that uh, I was like, oh, this is a good flashback
1: and the way they end it is is awesome. But what I really what I really caught was that James has Sitka gear on, which is what he is wearing in the book. And nice. so S- Sitka gear is uh, made, I believe, in Bozeman, Montana. It's a it's a type of hunt of hunting gear with you know specific ca- camo pattern that's specific to that brand. But one of the guys that that works for them is a a guy that used to run the cold weather training for the seals in Alaska. So he
2: took oh, cool. his knowledge
1: base from cold weather training and applies it to Sitka to make gear that's good for cold weather. So I, I thought that was really cool. Um, but I I thought there was a detail that. The first time around, it, it's not a huge point, but just that you know. In the book, I believe this takes place in this part takes place in Wyoming. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, after what happens with Marcus Boykin happens, which happen, he shoots him in a Porsche Cayenne instead of a G wagon, which is weird because Steve Horns driving a G wagon. I feel like they should have switched to make it the same as the book. But, uh, but he, whenever whenever he goes back and sees Liz, she's she's waiting. So they they must have landed you know, off screen and him right. get out and prep and, and walk and everything and and like stuff like that, you know, um,
0: as she watches, yeah, watch the Crimson Tide game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty awesome.
1: Um, that you know, the, the detail is that Liz is already helping him without really, they, they didn't really introduce her except for ap- after the funeral that much.
2: Yeah. I felt like there was something missing there. Do we get the flashback to
0: Liz this episode, Tyler? Cause I don't want to no, say no. too much if not. Okay. No, that's, never mind that's the much later. Yeah. Chris, like, if you uh, felt something is missing, six. You know the backstory, obviously, but yeah. the show does give it to us. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, okay. the show does okay.
1: give it to you. Um, Roll tide. But it's cool. She's she's uh, flying a plane that's a turbo single turbo prop that's made in Switzerland since like the 90s. So it's pretty cool. It's like a, an older plane that she could probably afford
2: if she's doing her own outfit. I like having you on here. I I didn't pick out any of this stuff. Yeah. I out
0: any of this stuff. I'm, can can I'm you agree to be our nerd. like gear guy? We can just hit you up whenever we're Absolutely. reading a book or Anytime. watching movies and we need a Anytime. question answered. Okay. okay. Yeah. Actually, I, whenever you guys
1: review Savage Son, the book, uh, I would like. Oh, yeah. That's my. So uh, Terminalist is my favorite novel I've ever read. It had the biggest impact on me. But Savage Sun to me, is perfect. Ten out of ten. Couldn't be better. It's fantastic. It's nice. Uh, but uh, so I wasn't a big fan of the second one for a long time, but there's events that happen in the second one that you right. couldn't have five and six without exactly. number two. So um, definitely important. I believe appreciated. Yeah, I've appreciated True Believer more as
0: time goes on. Savage Son might be a better story or better novel, but I think True Believer does enough to because w- the way Terminalist ends and the way this TV show ends, like how the heck do you follow that up? And I think yeah. True Believer pulls that off, and it's really brilliant. Well, I think but the I, Jack... I agree, it's not as good a story as Savage Son.
1: Yeah, from what I recall, Jack always set out to write Savage Son because it's an homage to the most dangerous game, which is his favorite right. short story. Right, right, And he said that he needed to develop that character some. So the first one is like the apex predator with nothing left to lose, but it's, it's a man that's willing to to do anything because he's already dead. So the second one, he said he had to bring him back to life basically. So this term true believers about him finding a new reason to live. Basically. Purpose. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. New purpose. So,
2: but, uh, back to the show. Trying yeah. I think, um, yeah, we got to keep going, Mike. Cause I just finished a uh, true believer, uh, and I'm I'm going to start Savage Sun next week, so nice. it, it, we got to We got to do all of them. On, on Yo, the also, line. before Let's before you guys time. move any
1: yeah. move any further, I would recommend going on YouTube and finding on Ironclad, which is a, a, a group. I believe they just produce media, um, yeah. but they, they're paired with Jack Carr for stuff. But they developed trailers for each book, and so they're only about two minutes long. They don't really have reveal any actors faces or anything but there's audio to them and stuff and they are really cool to watch before you read the oh, books. Nice. Um, oh nice. The one for Terminal right. List is cool, the one for True is awesome, the Savage Sun one's cool. Yeah, they they um they give you a little bit of imagery like Savage Sun there's a there's a, a Land Rover Defender 90 and it's based off of one of Jack Carr's buddies. Well, in the trailer is that Defender 90, so you can kind of get some oh, imagery nice. of what's coming up. Uh but are they're, they're cool little 2-minute trailers um but yeah, I believe each
0: book has one. Uh, but they're pretty oh, cool nice. yeah. Out. yeah, we yeah. got to check those out when we review the books. Yeah, let's try yeah. to do True Believer sometime in the next week or two, Chris. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Hey, we get Tony. What do you what do yeah. you guys think? Because this that's is next totally on my list at a left field. You know, this Tony Leon character at the FBI with the Fugitive Task Force. And he's really curious who else is in the car with Reese with the hit on Gordo outside the cafe. What do you think about our introduction to to him?
1: Um, I, I like him. I like his, I like his acting. Um, I'm bl- trying to think, are they, is he working with us marshals or is he just a local yokel?
0: I think Mac is the marshal, the woman he's with okay. is the marshal and he's FBI. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: So he's FBI. So in my opinion, just, this is probably the biggest stray away from the books is that yeah. I, I really think that this is our replacement for Freddie strain, but I was, I, I like him. I like his attitude. He knows what he's looking at. He's obviously experienced. Like, everyone's trying to call out what, what James Reese is doing when he shoots Jack Carr in the surveillance footage, and he clearly knows what's what's happening, which um, right. in the book, James Reese says, you sh- keep shooting until the target's down. It's not two right. to the chest, one in the head, like like in movies and stuff. The Mozambique
0: well, method, yeah.
1: Yeah, Tony actually notices that and even says, like, you know, he's he's continuing fire until there's no more
2: movement. Which he even is, says right.
0: he's accounting for the angle of deflection in the glass in case he didn't hit yep. center mass or wherever, because the glass deflected the bullet. He's got to hit more yeah. and he's got to work his way to the window to get a clean shot with no glass. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If this is a change that they get rid of Freddie strain to replace with Tony, what do you think about that? And do you think like, wh- why wouldn't they just name Tony Freddie strain if that's the replacement?
0: You'd have to flesh him out more. And obviously this we're, we're hypothesizing about season two because right. True Believer right. is huge on the Freddie strain story. So you'd have to do a lot to get Tony there. But I could see that happening, especially because of things that happen. Episode seven, episode eight. Tony and Reese are definitely on a collision course, so there's more coming to their relationship. And I think they're planting seeds. I think you're on to something. I wouldn't have nailed it as a Freddy Strain replacement, but I could see their relationship having space
2: that can be developed.
1: Well, the only reason I say that is for what comes later.
2: It, it could just reason. be that you obviously they have, if if it gets green light for a second or third season, you know, you want to have these characters in place to then like in the coming seasons to are right, we're going to build upon them. but they don't have time to fully flesh out, you know, his relationship. And so let's say it doesn't get renewed for a second season. They just have this Tony Loom guy, you know, like it, it's sort of like a, I don't know. I don't want to like say a hedge, but you know, they, they obviously there's not enough time. It, it would just be bogged down if you really wanted to set up. I, I'm assuming hopefully they bring in the Hastings at the very end, or, or I, I haven't gotten there yet. So
1: I don't tell say him, too much, let but... him let him sweat it out
0: don't tell him okay. yeah All we're right. not gonna
2: say much but uh <laughs> yeah yeah we'll leave it at
0: that but, si- speaking right. of green lighting uh more seasons i feel like i'm compelled after completely crapping on the critics my last two recordings <laughs> let me just go ahead and give an update on the rotten tomato score of how the terminal okay. is doing 37 percent critic score and a 93 percent audience score nice. so I've already awesome. talked about the narrative. I'm not going to get into the narrative, but the narrative yeah, is fine. in full swing with that one. So just a little Rotten Tomatoes updates for the <sighs> folks. Absolutely. Um, 93, baby. 93. From what I recall, so I was big into Reacher when it came
1: out the series. I think it was uh, a week to two weeks, and it, they said it got renewed for two more seasons. They, they oh, renewed wow. it in, in one shebang because its viewership was so high in such a short amount of time. And
2: Yeah, um, Reacher and was a big with, hit.
1: Same with Jack Ryan. Uh, I think they they did a season two, and they renewed it for two more. So three and four are are finishing up being filmed, and they're going to release those consecutive years. So I think we have a f- about two weeks to wait before we should hear something. If the viewership is really solid, it's de- um,
2: it's definitely getting renewed. It's definitely. If it doesn't, I'd be shocked.
1: I, I think so as well. And so here and here's why. So uh, Chris Pratt really doesn't have that much lined up after this, and. and Jack Carr has always said it's going to depend on Chris's schedule. Jack Carr told me at the meetup that he's working on screenplays for True Believer and that basically it's just going to depend on Chris's schedule. Well, to me, that doesn't depend on Amazon. I think Amazon renewing it would be the first answer.
0: Right. I think well, Chris's that's schedule. what would free up Chris's schedule.
1: Yeah. And I think Chris, is, Chris has his own production company now, and he signed a deal with Amazon. That's why Tomorrow War was on there, and that's why this is on there. Um, and I think he's going to need more projects for that production company. And he, he liked playing this role. This is his first like true, serious role. Um, and that was something I was going to ask you guys about in the book. There are moments when I find myself laughing or chuckling at stuff, but whether it's what James Reese, James Reese says or does. Um, and there's like one line where you can see Chris Pratt's like Chris Pratt peek through James Reese a little bit. And that's at the stripper club when she says, you know, if you're a cop, you have to tell me he goes, Well, I don't even I don't think that's true, but I'm not. That's and right. Yep. I I think I think I I find it that if you make it too serious, there needs to be a little comedy. And there is between between Chris and Well he and Ben. He and yeah, Ben he, he, right. he and Ben
0: definitely have comedy. With the Big but Lebowski.
2: I, don't tell me you're yeah. going to the golf tournament dressed yeah. like the Big Lebowski. <laughs> I, I just as like comment on that, I feel like he almost has to go above and beyond to be not funny because you know he can chris pratt is is funny and obviously he's been in things but you know you just look at him and you think of i don't know star lord or wh- whatever his name's character was on parks and rec i, I didn't watch that yeah. show and but um andy andy oh you andy know, i did know that and you know it's like all right i'm being serious uh, and i could feel him almost like at point, points, like I wanted to, I actually want to ask you guys, like, what did you what what did, what did you think during the whole season of of Pratt's performance? I, I could see him at times; he's sort of like straining to be a little bit more serious when you know he's obviously a comedic actor.
0: Well, dude, think about the range that he's putting on so far, even in just these episodes. You've got this crazy look in his eye when he's like, "Look at that guy in the mirror; he's after us, or they got drones on us," and. We don't know if we can trust him yet, so he he can pull that off of just this look in his eyes and And then when he's with Lauren and Lucy, it's so heartfelt when he's playing the guitar and laughing about, I'm going to sing you a song if you don't show me that picture. And then, guys, we got to get to this final scene of episode four because look at how he flips the switch to operator mode when he's going into Mexico. I mean, that Marco, uh, the estate and getting there and meeting Marco's family. And he dropped something about knowing Thomas Reese and his father. And Reese talks about growing up here and he's sentimental and then cut scene a few minutes later and he's on the ground using his tomahawk. And eventually we're going to have to talk about the kill on yeah. the Sicarios and the, and the drug yes. cartel, but he's it's, flipping it's, a switch and this
1: range is ridiculous that he has. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's, he's serious enough to be believable. I think when I was all in was at the end of episode one, when he finds Lauren and Lucy, Yes. um I think that was pretty pretty rad acting for him um but to to this down in mexico uh, I think it's clear that Marco is a land Rover defender fan because he has a defender one ten he picks Reese up in, and then at home when the gates open, I see a new defender ninety and an old defender ninety which is what which is what rafe drives is a defender ninety um so I th- I think it's just cool that those vehicles are in there. It's keeping to that. Those, th- those are just known as like true off-roader and cool guy vehicles. And, and like, you know, it's always been like Land Cruiser, Land Rover debate, just like in the book um, with, with him and Rafe. So I thought that was pretty neat that those are just in there in the background. They don't necessarily have a conversation
0: about them, but they're just there. Yeah, good touches. What do you yeah. think about that line where Marco's kid is like so upset of like, I wish I could have been there. For Lucy, I didn't know she was sick. They obviously had to tell her kind of a white lie about what happened. Right, I th- right. This show is just pulling on the heartstrings, and then a second later, we're slaughtering dudes open and pulling out their intestines and nailing them to a tree. Like, yeah. oh, it's that, incredible. That
2: was intense. That was super intense. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, I was wondering why they gave
1: James or why they, yeah, why they gave James two R and D tomahawks from Winkler, and now, now I know because he, I mean, unless they should do it off screen he leaves one there.
2: Um, But I wanted
1: to, yeah, I wanted to talk about Taylor kitsch real quick. Uh, He plays Ben. He runs that Benelli shotgun extremely professionally and proficiently. And I, I had heard that on set, he broke his ankle during filming that. And he actually did like a couple more takes, a couple more takes after it broke. And that's why if you watch, uh, he gets hit. And if you have subtitles on, he says my foot, that's, I think where he breaks his ankle, I believe. Um, So, Pretty sure what's what's there on on film that you see in the final edit is him breaking his leg breaking his ankle, but uh, oh, yeah wow, he, he, he runs that. he runs that shotgun extremely he does. professionally and correctly. Um, same with same with Chris and how he runs his M4 in that um, you know he he goes to slice pie or pie some corners and stuff and they set up. Uh, I don't know if you recall from the books, but uh, he, they always talk about L ambushes and keeping right. it simple with tactics, and that's what they do with those those first four or five Sicarios is. Uh, I believe it's Marco's security guy, James and Ben are in the warehouse and then there's a sniper straight ahead of them and they create the L ambush and, and they just unload on those guys. So I think it's cool to see tactics from the book.
0: Yeah. what do you think about the decision though, to go in a little heavier? Because in the book, while they're doing some of the same tactics, it's really Reese on his own and he's going stealthily and quietly through the cartel house and he's going room by room. Like there's even yeah. a scene where he leaves some prostitutes alive. And so yeah. he puts the hatchet in one guy's head quietly. I mean, they're going in heavy on this op. I thought for TV that was probably a better decision because the show already has a lot of dark, slow moving kind of reveals. And so yeah. make this scene just a bomber all out action scene at the halfway point episode to end episode four. I think the
1: dark uh, I can't say much cuz I don't want to ruin it for Chris but I think dark
0: dark stealthy okay. quiet
1: I think dark dark stealthy quiet stuff come comes later exactly. and and you kind of get that satisfaction but I do I I don't know some of the decisions I wish were the same but at the same time I like seeing something different you know I don't I don't blame them or dis- dislike the the changes as far as the kill at the end, I think it's clear that obviously it's not going to now occur to the
2: character that
1: it does in the novel. Right. right. Um, so now, now you right. you're kind of guessing as to what's what's going to happen to him.
2: Yeah, I was happy to see that we still got that, you know, uh, that execution type. Yeah. Um, but obviously, it wasn't done on the person who we thought it was going to happen to. Yeah, yeah. Just to like sort of piggyback your comment, Tyler, I, I think like there has to be, and if i if I Think I know what you're talking about in terms of the future episodes. There needs to be some sort of discrepancy, or not discrepancies, but differences between these action sequences to not make them, you know, sort of run through people's heads. And I think that's one easy way is to take this scene, turn it into an all-out. All right, we're gonna we're gonna come in hot and heavy, as opposed to just a single person, you know, count being the you know the counter operative. So I I didn't mind the change, and I actually think like it just help beef up the story and make it a yeah. little bit more interesting. Yeah.
1: And when, when you think about it in the book, it's one man versus about 13, I think, and 12 or 13. And in this, it's a sniper takes out a couple, but mainly that the, the head security guy doesn't kill many people. It's Ben and, and James. Yeah. Taking out almost everybody together anyways. Um, and I mean, Ben soaks quite a few rounds into the dude that, sh- that hit him. Um, so which I, I thought was it's, a pretty cool. It's also
2: for. another way to sort of put Ben into this place. Yeah. And get him closer to James because, you know, in the book, he's obviously we're told that they have this big relationship um, and we see like a couple mom- moments of it and obviously he's feeding James information the entire time, but In the book, he
1: more gives James information, aims him, and lets him off the leash. In this, he's
2: partaking in these events quite, quite well. I was wondering if they were doing that purposely for the readers. You know, like... Throwing um, them off. Throwing them off to, like... Maybe not, like, specifically for the readers, but, like, when they thought about it, like, oh, the readers would like this because maybe... Oh, maybe it's not even... I was going to say, I don't know how I edit this, to be honest, because uh, we're getting a little deep into
0: uh, some spoilers <laughs> here. So I don't know about I'll, that I'll, I'll, I'll reel it in. Segment there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll reel it in. But no, I, I, quest- I questioned for quite a while. No, I agree with what you. What they were going to do. And their relationship, though, is also explored to this point. Ben and Reese, that is through little side chats, like when they're going through the data on the hard drive or when Reese is packing up his bag or he shows him a target package. We haven't established them operating together yet. And so the fact that Ben pulls them to the side and says, dude, Aaron, the security guys, right? Sniper shots, the better play. And Reese says, Ben, you know, I have to go in and find El Navajas is the guy, the knives in this cartel. Yeah. I got to see his forearm. I got to know if he's the guy who hit me in the MRI. I got to know if he was the one who took out Lauren Lucy, you know, I have to do this face to face. And Ben's like, I'm right there with you, brother. So, yeah, this scene is also reestablishing them downrange what they yeah. did do together, what they're still willing to do for each other, because all so far we've got of Ben is him talking. You know, he's just been. Yeah. To talk. yeah, yeah, he
1: did. He did some recon for him, but it, nothing that would connect him to James right. that would
0: get him in trouble. And he did say, you know, I'm agency, so I can't really blow my cover or go straight with you too much. And that comes yeah. up later in the show of how since he's agency, he does have a job he has to still do. He can't really yeah. be there at every minute with Reese. Yeah, and the
1: Sicario... Oh, go ahead, Chris.
2: Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, I liked how they kept, you know, in the book, it's Lauren who shoots one of the the Sicari or the, the gang lords to to show that, all right, this was the one, but it, I like how they sort of kept that nod, but instead they made it James, who cuts yeah. the one guy, right? But we don't know for sure the guy who got cut in the
0: MRI in the forearm was necessarily the one at the Reese house. We're kind of told True. they are the same person, but Rosie. Yeah. So again, my wife knows nothing of the story. She's like, did they ever get the guy who actually killed the girls? And I was like, well, we no, were but led the, to believe it, it was it, the yeah. drug cartel guy. They said the forearm thing. It's implied
1: because, because at the MRI, they have James's gun which right. they, so I, really I can't recall if they ever first. said, yeah, yeah. Right. They, they took it from the house, killed the girls and there went to the MRI place. That's the connection. Um, Perfect. And I see people, I've, I see people bitching about who gets an MRI at night and somebody commented on their, I schedule MRIs and I just finished one up. It's 9 PM.
0: <laughs> that was funny. That guy was, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Too? Like, come on. People, people bitch in that group, just a bitch, but I pick what group no is more. this?
1: There's a there's two ter- there's a Terminalist group and a Jack Carr group and right, and on Facebook actually yeah I actually Mike I was gonna mention I can't believe I got half of that group to react to my little my little review paragraph a thousand people reacted to that post oh <laughs>
0: man I didn't see that many comments but okay I'm gonna have to go back and read through that thread yeah
1: there's there's not a ton of comments but just a ton of people reacted to it but
0: Ty would you be willing to come back and do a whole series kind of quick wrap up discussion. Cause we, yeah. we love your take on this and something else we can do maybe is we could dig into some of these comments and people's complaints yeah, sure. and either say, I'll, uh, I'll go up, screenshot some. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go screenshot a couple. Yeah. and yeah, Maybe we'll give it a week or two to sink in. We'll maybe get a chance to rewatch or rethink about the show. And yeah. uh, we'll come back and share some thoughts on that.
1: If, uh, did you guys record with Jack yet? Tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow if you, yeah. If, if, I'm sure you guys have just a list of questions for him, but he does the, the bad, uh, reviews. Yeah. He, talk, he, he talks. he talks, well, yeah, we'll b- basically be doing that for the show. So, but, uh, something I did want to bring up too is, you know, it happened with Saul Agnon that in the presence of the Grim Reaper, he pretty much shits himself and becomes a puddle in front of the Grim Reaper. But whenever the Sicario he's, he's big and tough as well and has a presence until, until James pulls out the sayok Tomahawk. Right. Um, And once that happens, then he kind of knows it's it's there's no there's no fighting. And um, yeah, I I just like the fear that it instills in in the characters
0: when he's Um, dragging him out. When Ben asks him, is that the guy with the forearm, you know, injury? Yeah. And Reese just drags him from into that shed, uh, which is something we saw in the trailer. When I saw it in the trailer, I was like something about the just how the angle it's filmed that or how he looks. I was like, I don't know if this is going to hit. Man, that hit when he was dragging yeah. that dude out of the house. It yeah, hit hard. Absolutely. And I thought it was cool, the action in the
1: house. So that guy's in there with his little arm wound, and he has a pistol, and they're on opposite sides of a wall. And so in, instead of pieing that corner, James just goes outside and looks through the window into that room and shoots him. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed a lot of the tactics and the the gun work and stuff, and a lot of the guys on set. The the entire SEAL team at the beginning, except for Patrick Schwarzenegger and Chris Pratt, are all real former SEALs, um, which oh, wow. really I, I thought was pretty awesome.
0: Let's go back then. I want to ask you about that first scene. What do you think about the the Syrian chemical weapons tunnels as opposed to the mountaintop of in Afghanistan? Um. I think the
1: change was made to make it just the twelve seals because if you do the other one, I I think maybe the sewer thing was made for a a visual choice, um, which I I actually kind of dig it. But I think the other option is, uh, from what I recall, all those rangers in the QRF, the Quick Reaction Force, die. They
2: die as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which would be an enormous shitstorm that would be all over the news and in the show. They try and even uh, Katie says not even. A comment from the admiral. So, in my opinion, it was done to kind of keep it low, lower key. It's not out in the open. All they know is that there was an ambush, um, and they lost pretty much everybody, but but two people. Which, uh, what, did, what did you guys, Chris? What do you think so far up up to this point? Are you happy with how how it is?
2: Yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy. I I think that, you know, with the pilot, if the pilot was filmed first, then maybe the change would be, cause obviously that's like just a bunch of explosions right on. That's how like it happens. And then, then, then like the guys come in from this, the mountaintop to, yeah. to get them when they're, when they're storming, you get Donnie's head in the
1: helmet, just like in the book there. And...
2: R- right. Right. That was, that was intense. That I, I think like maybe it's just a choice to, <laughs> to have them, you know, in, in a smaller space, a little more confined. It just like, it's generally easier. Cause you could tell like the show definitely widens up as, as we go you know past the pilot yeah episode two uh which you know i i wasn't on but i i really like that episode i just like how it's you know we're slowly building up learning more about and i i I try to think about the show as if i didn't know the book or i I hadn't read it and like how i would appreciate it that's kind of cool how i try to get caroline to watch it but we have four kids and I i had to i had to i had to keep going and watch it myself but um yeah, I think I think anyone's going to like this show. I, I don't know why. I'm, yeah. I my dad is is starting it tonight, so we'll, we'll we'll see how he likes it.
1: A lot of people in the comments that are positive are people that didn't read the book. Um they love it. Oh, that's from good. what I can from what I can see. But yeah, I, I also think maybe the change to the sewer instead of the mountaintop might be because to do that type of ambush and the explosions to kill all those people, it would be very complex and like I said that would be an immediate shitstorm that everyone would know about. Um and maybe it would be clear that your average jihad probably couldn't couldn't pull it off. Whereas down in the sewers, kind of just some trip wires with claymores and, and C four and stuff, maybe maybe a little more believable. But um, I think they just tried to contain it. And whenever it's out in an open mountaintop range, it doesn't feel contained. You know, trying to hide that event from happening to the public. So I think maybe being yeah. hidden down there in the sewers is a little more. Just just the feeling of being being uh closed in. Right, yeah
0: right. I also think a hit on a house and then it explodes kind of in the mountains of Afghanistan has really been done before. it's yeah, you especially know,
1: with like a secondary explosion once exactly. the backup comes in and things like that, I think that's been done
0: it It's all been done, amount. but seeing the tunnel and you know boozer having to crawl up the tunnel to make contact with the q r f team to, to yeah uh, to get on the comms and then having this team on this beach like to extract them. Yeah. I, th- I thought visually this was a much smarter choice for something yeah. that's new and hasn't been done before.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: um I Agreed. will say
1: some, something I miss from the book that I wish was in there. You know, I don't, I don't mind a lot of the changes, you know, watching through the second time. Um, I'm, I'm still enjoying it. Uh, you know, I'm, catching more details, especially at the house with, in in the garage and stuff. Um, you know, there's just your average American, American things in there. There's bicycles hung up. I think there's a kayak in there he has a Harley motorcycle. That's, that's probably from the back, you know, the, the back, sorry, the flashback with Marco going to uh, Sturgis. Um, but you know, um, I really miss in this sequence specifically at this time period in the book. Once people realize what's happening and who's coming for them, there's a fear that most of them get. Mm-hmm. And in this the, this, the show doesn't show that nor talks about it. They, they aren't worried who, of what's coming. They, they don't really prepare for it. Almost. They're almost There's almost an arrogance to the remaining right. members yeah. of the list. And also the, there's a big change up from what I recall in the book. Saul Agnan gives him quite a few members of, of the list.
2: Gives them and, pretty much the whole list, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, which I really enjoyed. So whenever Saul only gave them two names, I was like, come on. Don't tell me that they're going to have two more bad guys or three more bad guys when they reveal Lorraine later. Um, and basically, it's just going to be like a long, drawn-out thing to kill these three people. Um, but it, it, it's not that bad. It's a good decision,
0: bad. though, for TV because, uh, you know, I could see people who can't follow the story already being like Josh Holder to Saul Agnan to Steve Horn. You know, we're already getting name overload, if you will. Like by episode four, you kind of already forgot. You forgot who Josh Holder was because it was such a cool hit in episode two, but you almost forget because we've moved on so much. So I don't know if I needed more names and Saul, he sung like a bird. He not only gave up Marcus Boykin and Steve Horn, but he gave yeah. up Capstone, Nubellum, RD-4895. Right. So I felt like I got just enough info where you're kind of yeah. confused. You kind of want that mystery where if you gave more of a name dump uh, visually in terms of a TV show, you might have lost a lot of people. Yeah, that's true.
1: Right. I think that there's a cool part there during the Saul Agnan interrogation in the book. Once James kind of gives him a little bit of a hint that he might live through this, he dumps the information and gives it all to him. And then, of course kills him anyways but there's a point in the book where he kind of lets saul know that there's a possibility he could make it through this if you pay attention to the dialogue when james is talking about there's men who have died for a cause yeah and you aren't basically you aren't one of them well to me i think in saul's head he's thinking well if i don't have to die for a cause if i just give it up i'll live so as soon as he realizes he could he could live he, he, got he gives it up he got yeah, played. Right. He gives it up right um which i really like it it's a different way of doing it, but it's the same trigger and end result as the, as the book.
0: Yeah. To this point, who is your favorite on screen kill from the list?
1: Hmm. Uh, I mean, it has to be the if we're three and four the, it's gotta be this, the Sicario with uh,
0: with the tribe walk around the post. I think that is definitely the, best kill in terms of most gruesome and it was lauren and lucy's killer so it's like f yeah justice
1: yeah and i think that's why they put that gruesome kill with that with that killer with that character yeah yeah
0: yep when when they did that i was like that was actually a really smart move and then something that comes later with the character who didn't have that sort of ending i also thought was a very smart move but i'm gonna save that so this little flip-flop of who gets which type of kill i thought was a really smart move but i'm gonna still say my favorite is Josh Holder? I don't know why. Yeah, I like, really? liked When Reese, I, I, I loved in episode two when he recons the apartment building, and yes. he's checking the locks and he's jumping over the staircase down from the again. Bike that was path.
1: that was something that was that was something that was like pulled straight out of my head from how Ray Porter describes it. Straight yeah, out of definitely. the
0: book, straight out of Ray Porter's description. So for some reason that one that one sits with me.
1: Yeah, I I don't know why I love the dialogue in that one that isn't in the book. It's it's kind of in in Reese's thoughts, and there are a lot of thoughts that are in the book as thoughts that are just dialogue in here. And he he tells he tells Josh Holder that you you stupid fucks killed him with the wrong fucking gun. And yes, I I don't exactly. know why I love that line. So I didn't mind that they that yes. they changed stuff like that. I enjoyed it. So, but um
2: yeah, it's it's little changes like that is making me really enjoy the series. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I know on the podcast review you guys did of the book, you talked about hoping to see the list, and I, yes. I knew that we would, and I, I thought it was pretty cool that oh, they it show it off. just about every episode on the yes, back. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. Off and who, who's added to it. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I just think some of the brutality, it's definitely there, but I don't know. It's kind of what drew me to the book a little bit in a way. but um, Dude, it's, it's, de- it's, defi- it's definitely there. I'm really excited for if, if it gets renewed for another season and possibly Savage Sun. That's that's kind of what I'm what I'm here for now. But um, no, I, I really enjoyed it for a TV series. I I hope they release it on disc. That that's something I have an enormous Mike. I'll send you a picture of my movie collection. It's you know four hundred five hundred Blu-rays deep alphabetized. Damn. Oh wow! And um, and I, I only buy stuff that I really enjoy, and I I watch things pretty often, and I really hope they release that on disc so I
0: can have it on my shelf. Nice. Okay. How many Blu-rays can you fit in a Land Cruiser?
2: Amazon will probably try to uh, push it towards you. So,
0: Yeah, we'll see. They
1: didn't release Reacher yet, but they did release Jack Ryan Seasons 1 and 2, so I, there's hope.
2: Okay. All there's right. hope. It's
1: All not right, like cool. Disney Plus where they haven't released anything.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> Right, 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 right. Well, Tyler, it's been a blast. We absolutely are going to have you back on the show. Invite you again. Yes, yes, yes. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. But before we let you go, how about you tell the folks where they can find you and where they can find your movie review podcast? Yeah, uh,
1: our podcast is on Spotify and uh, iTunes. It's called Just a Tangent. Um, And then I'm available, probably easiest to contact
0: me on Instagram. It's TRD period Tomahawk. Cool. TRD period Tomahawk. Nice. Very nice. Dude, thanks for joining us. What a blast. Yeah, no problem.
1: Thanks for inviting me on. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Tyler. Nice to meet you
1: nice to meet you guys too thanks
2: as always we need to thank our patrons our special operator Sherry F our special agents Daryl, Kevin, George Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine Ray, Bridget, Jeff and Mark please subscribe, rate and review using your favorite podcasting platform find us at thrillerpod.com or at thrillerpodcast. and as always slow is smooth and smooth is fast